As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. Hey, everybody, and welcome into the Phillies Talk podcast presented by Team Toyota. I'm Corey Seidman, joined by Jim Salisbury. If you hear the crack of the bat in the background, that's because Jim is at Citizens Bank Park as the Phillies are here at the midpoint of summer camp, about 10 days before the beginning of the regular season. Jim, take us what the, uh, through what the day-to-day scene has been like down there, uh, just you know, watching some of these intra-squad games and the workouts and a few of the little quirky things you may have noticed that, uh, you know, kind of, kind of led to the thought of how different this all feels. Yeah, it's, it's very much uh, like the early days of spring training down in Clearwater, except, you know, we can see the, the big buildings off in the, in the distance in center field. I'm trying to give you a little look at the field. Uh, a, lot of, a lot of long days, really, for the coaching staff and the staff members, the manager, uh, the groundskeepers and whatnot, because they're staggering – the arrival times of players uh, for the reasons of social distancing. So uh, you got kind of guys working out in the morning, guys kind of working out in the afternoon. Lately they've switched everything to the late afternoon and evening because it's been so hot. Um, So a lot of ground ball work, defensive work, a lot of BP, pitchers throwing a lot of bullpens, pitcher fielding practice. Um, All the stuff you see in the early part of camp when guys are getting their legs Guys are getting their timing, and pitchers are building arm strength. They've um, started inter-squad games here over the last few days. Uh, and as we talk here, uh, you know, late Monday afternoon, they're, they're going to play four, four and a half innings tonight. A lot of that's dictated by the pitchers, uh, which pitchers need work. Uh, but, you know, they're going to play some exhibition games here at the end of the week, uh, Nationals, Orioles, and Yankees. And then the following weekend, they'll be into playing into games. So. Uh, right now, just kind of getting ready, and uh, by the end of a normal spring training, you're fine-tuning. You know, your hitters are ready, and they're really fine-tuning. Your pitchers are ready, and they're fine-tuning, uh, you know, the difference between control and command. So at the end of uh, camp, they're working on their command. You might see uh, those elements, um, you know, command and uh, hitters really uh, working, you know, getting the final – uh, getting some fine-tuning on their uh, on their batting eye and their selectivity. You might see that stuff continue right on into the uh, early couple weeks of the regular season because it's such a different kind of, uh, of a season. But that's kind of where things are right now. You know, just a lot of work get, uh, taking place in a quiet ballpark. Jim, can enough be deduced from these intra-squad games? Like, can can a guy win a win a battle, win a win a position battle? Like, you know, when when spring training was going on, the Phillies had a, a battle for that fifth starter's job, and now obviously circumstances have changed that a little bit. Uh, Ranger Suarez going on that COVID IL earlier in camp, uh, but like, can anything be gathered that way, or is this just purely to get guys in shape? 
Well, somebody is going to be the opening day center fielder and somebody is going to be the fifth starter. So those two competitions, in essence, are going to be maybe not decided, but someone's going to have the upper hand by opening day. And if you have that, you know, opportunity um, to play on opening day and maybe play the first weekend of the season, you have an opportunity to solidify that job. So um, can, can a job be won? I, I guess so. Uh, I guess you can, like I said, get the upper hand and go into the regular season have that opportunity and really seize it. Uh, conversely, I think um, Joe Girardi, especially with position guys uh, in center field with Hazley and Quinn, probably will look to give both guys looks in the early part of the season. So I think somebody can really uh, seize that job as the games begin. But uh, they're going to have to make some decisions out of this camp. Fifth starter center field job, at least in terms of opening day. And then whoever runs with those chances, we'll see. Well, two guys who are back in camp at this point, Aaron Nola and Scott Kingery, what's the latest on them and their uh, readiness for the season, which I guess as of right now is still up in the air? Yeah, I'm watching Kingery take some batting practice right now. He looks physically very good. He had a real difficult time with coronavirus. Uh, he's a real cautionary tale in that it takes about a month to get over it. Uh, he was hit pretty hard. I don't know if he's going to be ready for opening day. He believes he will be, um, but I think a lot of it depends on how many uh, live at-bats he can get, even, either in workouts or in exhibition games, uh, the three of them that they'll play. It would not surprise me if they held him back a little bit because you just don't want to take a chance. Players are always going to say he's ready because they're so eager to play. Uh, everybody's missed it for four months, but I don't think you want to take a chance that you, you cut him loose uh, four or five days too early, and he tweaks an oblique or a hammy or something. Then you lose him for, then you lose him for half the season. So, knowing kind of what I know about the Phillies, it wouldn't surprise me if they're a little cautious there. They have four or five veterans who can help out at second base: Neil Walker, Phil Goslin, Logan Forsythe, Josh Harrison. Um, but I don't think Scott will be very far behind. And ditto for Aaron Nola. Uh, I think his readiness probably is a little bit ahead of. Um, Scott Kingery, I still think there's a chance he can be ready for um, the season opener, maybe to start opening day or certainly one of those first three games. I think we'll know more uh, after he makes uh, an inter-squad start here, which I believe he will on Tuesday. I have to look at my notes, but I believe he will uh, on Tuesday. And, and the idea is just to keep Gene Segura at third base not transition him over to second with Kingery out and potentially clear up a spot there at the hot corner. It would definitely be, you know, one of that Harrison Walker group, you think filling in for Kingery at the beginning of the season, if he's not ready to go. Yeah. I think they want to make uh, Segura their, their, their third baseman. I think he's, I thought he looked good in Clearwater in Florida in those first few weeks. Uh, so why not just keep him there? Uh, he seems to be able to handle the position. He's got a pretty, I've been impressed by his first step quickness, which is that important over there at third base. Um, the, the big question, he, he told them over the winter that, yeah, I can play second base. I've done it before. I'm not sure I can play third base. Um, let's see how it goes. And it's gone well. Um, you know, I was really curious to see how he would embrace the, the move coming off shortstop. Um, because I, I don't always think he's uh, – yeah, I think he can be um, maybe a little moody at times. But uh, what I saw in Clearwater – uh, really was a model citizen, smile on his face every day, willing to do whatever the team wanted from day one uh, and moved to third base. Really 
did so with open arms. And I think that um, willingness to accept the position change in his mind helped him play well over there. And I think there's another factor at work. Didi Gregorius, everything I've heard about him when he was with the uh, Yankees was just such a positive clubhouse guy, a real leader and a bridge builder with his teammates. And I saw him from day one in Clearwater, put his arm around Gene Segura and say, you can do this, man. You can do this. And we're right next to you. We're going to have some fun over here on the uh, left side of the infield. And I think that, I think that really went a long way with Gene Segura in mentally accepting uh, the position change and the challenge of a position change. So um, I, I think that's the way they're going to go. I think it's pretty much a done deal. You know, Gene Segura is a notoriously fast starter, and in a shortened season, he has a chance to really, you know, do some damage. A guy like that, like, why couldn't he hit 340 or so if he's feeling comfortable yeah. physically, if he's feeling comfortable in the field? Um, he's taking you know, some uh, – he's going to take some licks right now. I'm going to reverse the camera and show you. There you go I'm for pretty, you folks I'm, who are able to see this on YouTube. I'm, uh, I'm pretty far away. Uh, I'm up here in the uh, Bob Euchre seats, but he's in the uh, batting cage right now. I'll give you a little taste. I mean – you know, you can see it's kind of a quiet field. It's, it's typical BP scene. Uh, but he's in, the, he's in the cage. He's got his mask on, too. He's been one of the guys that consistently wears a mask on the field. Not everybody does. Yeah, so uh, who, who has consistently been wearing masks? Him and DD have consistently worn masks. Other guys here and there, your coaching staff and your manager have a mask on all the time because they're doing a lot of conversing with each other and guys. Uh, but players are given the option – uh, not to wear one during drills and, and, and game action. They have to wear the clubhouse and whatnot. And they've been very good about that uh, from everything I've heard. But um, Segura is pretty religiously wearing a mask. And he's in the cage right now, taking some BP against Pedro Guerrero. Let's see what he does here. Uh, Sounded like a line drive. Whether you're a fan of your local coffee shop or the hardware store around the block, Citizens Bank wants Phillies fans to join us in support of small businesses. Let's keep the businesses we love in business. Learn more at citizensbank.com slash small business recovery. One of the challenges for the Phillies right now is this pitching staff. Uh, some key members have been, you know, slowed during summer camp. For example, Aaron Nola, uh, Hector Neris. There's the, the possibility that Zach Wheeler's wife uh, ends up giving birth to their first child right at the, right at the beginning of the season. Zach Eflin, uh, Joe Girardi said the other day he was experiencing some back spasms. What's the latest on just like, you know, the overall health of the rotation and bullpen? And I mean, it seems like, especially in the bullpen, you know, the Phillies could be without some key guys. They're not, they're not, they're not deep in that unit to begin with. That's a great point. They're not deep in that unit. And that's the big question mark on the team and possibly the team's Achilles heel. Uh, I love, you know, their first two guys in the rotation and Nola and Wheeler, but um, you know, like you mentioned, Wheeler might disappear for 10 days after having the baby. I think he would only be gone um, the, the three days that you're allowed for paternity leave, but he's probably going to have to go, re-go, uh, go through like um, intake protocol again. And, you know, you have a couple days uh, where you're waiting for test results before you rejoin the group and he might want to throw a bullpen. And, you know, before you know it, he might miss a, a full week or a turn or two in the rotation. Uh, so, you know, that, the pitching is, uh, yeah, it's a big question, Mark. I'm going to talk to Brian Price, the pitching coach, about that later on Monday and, uh, and see what's happening. But uh, I don't know who's going to be in that bullpen other than Hector Neres, Adam Morgan, um, Jose Alvarez. Uh, you know, they've got some couple good left-handers there if they're healthy, Alvarez and Morgan. 
And I've noticed the Braves are going to be without a couple left-handed hitters early on, Freddie Freeman and Marquez. So. Yeah, some of these uh, some of these opt-outs, the players who have opted out are some you know really big players. You look at Freddie Freeman, Nick Marquez, Buster Posey. Uh, that was last week with the Giants. Uh, obviously, you can't fault anybody. It's such a precarious position that some of these guys are in. Um, is Freeman is Freeman an opt-out or is he just sidelined? Sorry, misspoke there. Freddie yeah. Freeman was dealing with coronavirus. Nick Marquez shortly thereafter opted out based on so conversation he had with Freddie Freeman. Felix okay. Hernandez also opted out from the Braves. Yeah, it's, so, uh, so Marquez is out. Um, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, but getting back to your question, um, Eflin with back spasms, so this was a bullpen today on Monday. We'll see where he is. He didn't seem particularly alarmed. Um, as we've talked about before, he's kind of – He's kind of my pick to click. I think um, he's had some flashes of brilliance throughout his uh, young career, and I think it's time for him to show some consistency. Uh, and I think he's capable of doing that if he can stay healthy. So, and they need they need a couple guys to step up in that rotation. Uh, Jake Arrieta would be another one who had a pretty good outing in the um, inter-squad game the, the other day. So, you know, if they can get Eflin, Eflin's back feeling good and Arietta can click and Nolan Wheeler's not gone too long. You, you got you got four guys I think you can kind of hang your hat on. Um, and then the bullpen remains a big if, as you said. Jim, you mentioned a couple minutes ago that, that, you know, Wheeler, when he comes back, there would be a process before he's able to, you know, rejoin his teammates. There were a couple teams last week uh, in the Nationals and Athletics who had to just, you know, postpone workouts because there were right. issues with testing and a delay that was going on and getting results. There haven't been any such issues with the Phillies throughout this process, have there, that you know of? Well, you know, I guess there was a pretty – I mean, there was a significant issue with Adam Hazley taking his tests during the in, uh, intake protocol and the tests never showing up. So that, you know, caused him to lose four days of, of uh, official team workouts. So, you know, they have had uh, at least one – um, glitch that we know of. Other than that, you know, speaking with guys, they think everything's going pretty smoothly and they're pleased with the protocols that the team is taking and the way things are going. So uh, other than the Hazley one, uh, not sure of, of anything else, but when you're dealing with this volume of players um, MLB-wide that have to be tested every couple days, uh, the, the possibility of, of um, glitches certainly I don't think really – ever goes away over, over two months span. You just kind of hope that uh, it gets minimized because you would hate to lose a player um, for a positive test and, and have that impact a week or two of your season, or which is a, you know, two weeks is 25%. Um, you'd certainly hate to lose a player uh, because there was a mistake in, or, you know, a, a fumble in the testing process. All right, well, we're about like 15 minutes in here, and we have not yet addressed the JT Real Muto contract situation, which, you know, obviously is still a huge topic with the Phillies. And last week, a couple developments there. There was the, the, the day where Real Muto hit a homer, and uh, Bryce Harper yelled out, sign him. Real Muto talked to you guys last week. Uh, has your perspective, after hearing from Real Muto, on the, like, where the contract negotiations are, has your perspective on this, this – uh, this situation changed or your outlook that they will be able to re-sign him? Yeah, I'm still fairly optimistic that he's going to be a Philly beyond this season. Um, but in terms of optimism that it's going to get done anytime before opening day, it certainly doesn't sound that way 
with him admitting to, I think his exact quote was, we were in pre preliminary negotiations in Clearwater. Um, and then we haven't gone and talks haven't gone anywhere since the uh, shutdown. So that was his quote. Uh, when we shut down in Clearwater, that was the 12th of March. And I thought there was um, enough time to get something done and enough interest on both sides. But uh, what, what we've learned with this um, pandemic is a game changer in terms of the revenues with no fans in the stands. And that's going to affect um, what teams do and given contract extensions. And it's going to affect next winter's free agent market. Um, so we'll see. Uh, Real Muto wants to set records, and I don't think ordinary records. I think he's been very, very aggressive in his ask. I think the Phillies were willing to be aggressive on their end. Whether or not those two, those two forms of, of aggressiveness were going to match up, I don't know. Um, and now we're kind of in a holding pattern. But, um, you know, I, I think the entire free agent market this winter is going to be depressed, and I think the Phillies – interest in signing him is still going to be quite keen. So I still think that at some point there's a really good chance they could get a deal done. Uh, but I also think with this pandemic and the importance of the revenues that fans in the seats will help generate, we need to have some kind of uh, knowledge that gates are going to, go, going to open again, or maybe even there's going to be a vaccine before we know that this thing can be hammered out. So just a whole lot of uncertainty, Corey. Team Toyota is kicking off a new season with safety, savings, and service. Visit today at teamtoyota.net to be part of the team and stay on the road to victory. In the event that a deal does not get done between the Phillies and JT Real Muto, uh, do you think that that would do some damage to the relationship with Bryce Harper? Uh, because, you know, the Phillies a year ago, one of the things that they told Bryce Harper before they signed him is that they would uh, surround him with enough talent. And he has – Harper has – uh, more than a couple times referred to Real Muto as his favorite player. It would just look really bad if, you know, two years into Harper's 13-year deal with the Phillies, they're letting their, you know, second-best position player walk. Uh, I'm, you know, Harper obviously is – he knows what he's doing here. Like, he's, he's increasing the leverage for Real Muto's side by showing how much he wants and needs the guy to be uh, one of his teammates. What do you think? Like, how, how could that play out if, if, if the Phillies were to end up losing out to another team on Real Muto for exorbitant uh, for an exorbitant amount of money. Well, um, I just don't know if it's going to damage that relationship. Uh, I don't think it can. He's going to be here for you know after the season. He's going to be here for eleven more years, um, and a lot can happen in that time span. I just think you, you, you know you have to realize this, what an extenuating circumstance is. Nobody saw this this pandemic coming, and nobody knew the effects it was going to have on the game and the sporting world. Um, and I think Harper has to realize that because had this hit 18 months ago, he's not getting 330 million. If there were no fans in the stands when he was hitting free agency, um, he's not getting that record-setting contract. And it was a record-setting contract uh, briefly until Mike Trout topped it. So uh, I just think this um, is something we nobody really you know saw coming, and uh, it's such an extenuating circumstance. I, I think any reasonable person if they looked at it would realize that um you know the the, the consequences and the unintended consequences of this thing it's, it's affecting everything and um if there's fans in the seats again and, and if, if at least even if you kind of feel like there's going to be fans in the seats i think they're going to 
make a pretty serious run to keep Real Mudo and, and keep Harper happy. Um, you know, I, I was here the day he yelled sign him. It was entertaining. It was theatric. He gave us all something to write about. Um, but, you know, uh, what, 15 months ago, 16 months ago, Bryce Harper was dining with Philly's ownership multiple times and, and uh, developing a really good relationship with them. I don't even think he needs to yell sign him. Uh, he can call ownership up on the phone and express his uh, his uh, desires and his and, and, you know his uh, his thoughts on retaining um, Real Mucho. He can do that in person. He has that type of relationship with ownership, and he did receive those assurances. But when those conversations were happening, nobody knew a pandemic was going to suck the you know the, the revenues out of the game to the extent they have. Right. All right. Well, we will continue to update the JT Real Muto contract situation as we can uh, here on the Phillies Talk podcast. Brian Price is about to speak in a few minutes, so I'll let you go, Jim. But thanks for joining us here today on the Phillies Talk podcast presented by Team Toyota. We'll talk to you later in the week. Look around. You can find cars like these on Auto Trader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on Auto Trader. Just you wait. Auto Trader.